Welcome to the Unpolished MBA. I'm your host, Monique Mills. Many times entrepreneurs are called unpolished because they are scrappy and do things in unconventional ways. Well, I like the name Unpolished MBA so much that I even trademarked it. So on this podcast, we commend those with practical experience because they've proven time and time again that one can be successful in business even if they don't have a formal MBA degree. So on each episode, we discuss topics related to business and entrepreneurship. And I've been told that my guests and I provide insights and inspiration to aspiring and current entrepreneurs alike. So this is the place where you can come and hear real life stories that can help you navigate both challenges and opportunities in business. Now let's jump into the next episode. Hello, Unpolished NBA audience. Today I have a special guest. Stephanie Smith is an entrepreneur and the owner of Social by Steph. So hello, Stephanie. Thanks for joining us today. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's a pleasure to have you. You're, I always say you're like my secret hidden gun for those who cannot get the social media advertising thing right or have wasted so much money on it. For folks that are listening, if I have never mentioned Stephanie to you before, that probably means that you have not been a client. (laughs) But I do talk about how marketing is such a big part. Marketing and sales, once you have a product, is most important. And a lot of you all are doing social media ads and things of that nature and wasting a lot of money. And so when I find that out, Stephanie is that hired gun that comes in and fixes it for everyone. So Stephanie, I'm so happy that you're here today because we're going to dig into some of that stuff that folks need to know. All right. Let's do it. Stephanie, before we jump into that, so just tell folks a little bit about your background and how you got into being an entrepreneur, but specifically focusing on paid ads for social media. Yeah, so I went to college at Georgia Tech, and initially I was an engineering major. And during an internship that I had, I was doing like this boring engineering work and no shade to engineers, but I was doing like spreadsheet work and I happened to sit next to the marketing department and they were doing all this cool stuff. And so when I went back to school, I added a marketing certificate and eventually I changed my major to business management and marketing. And so once I graduated, shortly after I graduated, I got this opportunity to work at a startup company that was one of Facebook's first data partners or one of their first API partners. And so I think they were like number three at the time. And so I got into Facebook ads really early. It was way before Facebook had its own ads platform. In order to be a partner, you had to have an ads manager. So I learned Facebook ads from the ground up. Um, I was doing a lot of reporting and I had to learn what the numbers meant and find the trends. And we did a lot of testing. And so I just have this deep, rooted knowledge in um, Facebook ads. And so that's really how I got started. And I was at that company for about four years. And the makeup of that company was a bunch of entrepreneurs that came together to build this thing. And so they all championed for entrepreneurship. It was never like a secret that somebody might've been building something else or had a future idea for something. So they just really, they really were was about just doing your own thing. And so I think that being one of my first real jobs out of college, I was just engulfed in this idea of one day owning my own business and doing my own thing. And so once um, we were eventually acquired 
and then dissolved. And I started this job hopping tour is what I call it, where like every eight to 10 months, I was at a different like digital ad agency in the Atlanta area and actually one in San Francisco too. And just getting like really good experience working with really large brands like Coca-Cola, Capital One, but then also helping them, right? I'm training their younger people. I'm giving them insights and knowledge and how to test and things like that and fixing their processes until eventually I just realized that I'm job hopping to find this type of contentment that I was just never going to find. And so I took that as a sign to start my own thing. And so I took my side clients that were constantly coming to me asking for help and decided to make it my main thing. And so I started to manage paid ads for primarily smaller and medium-sized businesses full-time. And so it's been about five and a half years since I've been doing that. All right, let's take a moment to thank the biggest sponsor of the Unpolished MBA. That's TPM Focus. TPM Focus is a strategy consulting firm that helps startups and small business owners generate revenue and find their way to profitability when they're launching a new product or in a new market. So reach out to tpmfocus.com. TPM stands for the Profit Matters Focus.com. You're definitely analytical, which explains why engineering was appealing to you and why if you decided to join the ranks of us engineers, you would have been (laughs) lovely just as well. But also you're a problem solver, which comes with engineering and you're creative, which is another thing people don't realize. A lot of engineers have a creative side, whatever way it comes out. I want to go into a little bit into your experience working for basically a startup. Did that enlighten entrepreneurship in your mind or had you been exposed to it before then? No, it was my first time. I honestly didn't even know the term startup until I started working with them. I was just very ignorant to that part of the world. And so it was so many different eye-opening experiences because I come from more of a corporate background. My internships was at the construction company Caterpillar. And then I had another internship right after I graduated where we had to wear like business dress every day of the week. And so I came to my interview for this startup company in a suit and they were all in like flip-flops and ripped jeans (laughs) and literally told me never to wear that again. And so So it was definitely eye-opening for me, but um, I think being around them and just, it was just an atmosphere that was the best thing that happened for me because it sparked something in me that I didn't know was really there. Because, you know, now a lot of colleges and, and schools, they champion for students coming up with business ideas and startup ideas. But back then it was like, you come, you get your degree, you find a corporate company to work for, whether it's IBM or Google or whatever that is. And so it was a change of pace for me. Yeah. Oh, and right now, yeah, you see a lot of a startup frenzy where mm-hmm. new college graduates are are kind of taking their shot at it. But I mean, what you did is probably what I would suggest is like going to work for one first and seeing if that's the environment um, that you want to be in. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, and some people don't thrive in there. I have friends that I know just would not do well in a startup culture because it's, you might wear one hat one day, a different hat the, the next day, and the, there's sometimes a lack of structure, but I think it also makes it really exciting for those. Like for me, I was able to work directly with the product team, and then I worked directly with the sales team and the accounts team. And so I had 
this kind of knowledge of so many different teams because we were small and nimble. And so I just really appreciated that. While you were there, you work with some pretty heavy hitters. You mentioned Coca-Cola and things of that nature. So when you're, you, but now in your own business, you mostly focus on SMBs, small businesses, medium-sized businesses. So what would you say is the, like the biggest difference when you work with those bigger ones versus the smaller ones now? Yeah, I think it's just you can't do as much, right? Because your budget isn't as big. And I think the one thing that I try to translate the most is while you may not have that same $20 million budget that Coca-Cola puts into ads every year, you can still take a lot of those best practices into a smaller budget and grow from there and do what you can with the budget that you have. So it's it's just with anything in life, right? The more money you have, the more resources that you yep. have at your disposal. And I try to teach the slow increase, right? Like a lot of people will tell you, you have to throw as much money as possible at ads, but it's like, Everybody doesn't have that budget. So tell me the budget you have and we can see what we can do from there. But I would say the biggest thing between just a large company and small ones is just the resources that they have and how they have to make it work with a much smaller budget. Speaking of budgets, let's talk about this one. I have this conversation at least one to two times a week, at least where I have clients who are like, yeah, we're going to run some ads. And I'll say, oh, okay, so what kind of budget are you looking at? Oh, I got like 500. Okay, a day? No, in a month. <laughs> and that's when I have to have that conversation that is completely unrealistic since, I don't know, 2015. <laughs> $500 is basically you're just giving Facebook an allowance and saying, hey, here you go. Thanks for being there. Because no one is going to see that and respond to that. It's just, I want you to explain what the issues are with small, not putting enough money in the budget and what's considered enough for, let's say, an e-commerce brand. Because I know you work a lot with e-commerce brands. Let's say a $2 million a year e-com, not even a million dollar a year e-commerce brand. So the, let's use that as an example. The budget conversation is definitely a big one. Anytime that I'm like teaching, teaching or speaking or whatever, that's always like one of the top <laughs> questions that I get is how much budget should you run? And you're right. The $500 a month budget, to be honest, it never worked really well, but it definitely isn't going to get you far. And the reason that is, is just when you Break that down if you just, if that's your monthly budget. Once you break that down by what, 30 days, that gives you like, if we just do quick math, what is that? Or I don't know, $16, $15 a day. This is not going to give you enough visibility on a day-to-day -day basis to learn anything. And if you can't learn anything, then you can't get better. And um, I like to use the analogy or the comparison of like Netflix account. When you first open your Netflix account, they don't know what you like, right? So they're just giving everything or suggesting everything that's popular. But once you start to watch TV shows and movies and whatever that you're into, then the recommendations start to change over time. And so if you're only watching one Netflix movie a month, they're still not going to quite know what you like, essentially. And so it just makes it harder to make this a, a decent experience for the user. And so the only type of campaign that you can really get away with a smaller budget like that is like a lead generation and you're just trying to collect emails. And even then you're only going to get a few. So when you're, if you're an e-commerce company, I always say to plan to spend no less than 40 to $50 per day. And if you can 
if you don't have it at that moment, I prefer people save and budget until you have it to spend consistently for three to six months. And that's just because testing takes a while. Um, You want to really give yourself a true shot at whatever platform that you are spending on. So you can test your audiences. You can test different ads, whether it's images or videos or copy or whatever. And by the end of that period, you can walk away with your specific brand best practices. You can say if that's the channel that works for you. And if it is, what works, what audiences work, what creative work. And then you can continue to build on that at whatever sustained revenue or uh, return that works for you. And then if it doesn't work, then you know that, okay, this channel was just not the channel for me, maybe because I misunderstood my audience and I thought they were on this channel, but really they're somewhere else. And so it just gives you a enough time to make a strong business decision because of what I see a lot of is people will run ads for maybe a week or two. It doesn't work. And they're like, oh, Instagram doesn't work for me or TikTok or Pinterest, whatever doesn't work for me. And you gave it two minutes and and $50. (laughs) We don't know. We just really don't. And so, yes, the budget thing is, is a really important piece to it, that if you're going to dive into ads, it's going to be an expensive um, feat. But if you know what you're doing the right, if you know how to manage ads correctly, then it can at least, if you're going to spend your money, you'll spend your money efficiently. Because what the stats show is that running ads incorrectly can cost you 4,000% more than if you knew what you were doing. And so that to put that into context, it's like acquiring a customer, the difference between $25 per customer and $1,000 per customer. And mm-hmm. as a business, most of them cannot afford that. Wow. So I have a lot of things to dig in from what you just said, specifically when you were talking about, let's say we use the e-commerce brand as an example, let's say it's a million dollars a year. You said at minimum 40 to $50 a day, at least three to six months. Okay. So then you find out that's not the channel for you. Mm-hmm. Whoa. You know what? So many small business owners are like, no way. There is no way. I'm just going to throw $5,000 away like that. You're already doing it. You're already, You're already doing, doing it. it. Exactly. And you had no data around what happened, why it didn't exactly. work. Like exactly. the point, you also mentioned the term learn. You don't have time to, or you don't, put enough money in to learn anything. And what I always say is that social media platform or doing paid ads help you learn from your customers about your customers. Exactly, exactly. And, and you need time to do that. So when you were talking about the channel, right? So if you say a million dollar e-commerce brand, 40 to $50 a day, are you talking about per channel? Are you talking about just Facebook? That's a reasonable number. Are you talking about Twitter, TikTok? Is that a reasonable number for them all when someone is just starting? This is a kind of a, if I'm being honest, like a baseline number, but there's so much that goes into how much you should spend. Like how much do your products cost? Because if you have a premium priced product that maybe, and when I say premium priced, like over maybe $150 on average for a particular item, then you will probably have to spend more than that to convince people to spend that type of money on an ad. So the $40, $50 range is like a baseline. Like you really shouldn't plan to go any lower than that. But then you have to factor in what's your average order value, how much do your products cost, like what type of return are you looking for? And that all is specific to that particular um, brand. But when I say per per day, I definitely mean per channel. Now, Facebook and Instagram can be considered one because they share all of their tools. 
However, it's not 40, 50, and we're spreading it out between Facebook and TikTok and Pinterest and Twitter. And mm-hmm. it's per channel. It's per channel, you guys. I listen to the pro. I'm tell- when I'm telling these, uh, and I've wasted money on ads back in my startup mm-hmm. days. So when I tell people it's about this, oh, it's so easy. And I try to warn people about boosting. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Stephanie, I'm going to let you do it. My, so. I, my, the title of one of my like conference workshops is stop clicking that boost button and learn how to run ads. Like you have, that's literally the title of <laughs> my workshop. And I, the boost button, like you said, they make it seem so simple. Oh, just spend $5 here and you'll increase your reach by X percent. The thing about the boost button is if all you're looking for is a few more eyes on your content, if all you want is an extra few likes, maybe even a couple follows, then fine, you can tap, you can boost. But if you are a business and you're trying to make money, the vanity metrics is just not where it's at. It's not really going to bring the dollars in. And so boosting is not designed to get you a real return to it's, it doesn't really come with a real call to action. The way I like to explain it is like going to New York and wearing an I love New York t-shirt, right? Everybody knows that you're not from here. You are clearly a tourist and they're going to rob you. That's what clicking the boost button means to me. And so what we want to do is learn how to use ads manager in the back end that everybody has access to. And you're your options just open up. If you have a sales objective, you can use it. If you have a lead generation objective, it's back there. You have more opportunities and more options with your targeting. So you can actually get to who your customer is. And then also you can build the ad the way you want to build the ad. And so it's just a, it's a more cumbersome experience to do it that way, but it's just worthwhile. I love that. I know that people are being tricked by that boost here button. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> And they feel like, oh, it's a quick win. I'll just do $5. Stephanie and I have had this conversation before and I was telling her how it literally feels like a slot machine. For any of you who have ever been to Vegas or Atlantic City, and I have spent a lot of time in Las Vegas, but luckily I'm not a gambler. And I, you feel so bad about yourself. It, it really starts to affect your self-esteem. Yes. When you put money into a slot machine, aka any of these platforms. And yeah, you, you don't, yeah, you don't get anything in return. Mm-hmm. And they're designed to make you want to come back because they're oh, trying to just like a slot machine, huh? Just another dollar. You know what I mean? Just another dollar. And before you know it, $50 later, <laughs> you still don't have anything. And so that's the and that's the issue. And that's definitely like the best analogy in terms of a slot machine. That's what the boost button is to me. Oh man. Stephanie, there there is a lot of focus on people trying to do the bare to really trying to cut back in marketing spend and because of their laying off people, all of all of these things are happening in the economy. What are you seeing on your side as far as with your clients and, and paid ads and ad spend? Yeah, I've had a lot of clients adjust their marketing strategies, especially when we went through the huge because most of my clients are typically on are running on ads on Facebook and Instagram. And so um, when Facebook went through that huge iOS change a couple of years ago, I had a lot of clients that shifted to other channels that kind of cut their paid budgets in general and just really try to focus on organic and or influencer marketing. And so it, there's been a lot, there's been lots of shifts, but depending on who you are and how well known you are already, it's not always the best decision because if, especially as a small business, 
your family and your friends are not going to sustain your business. So you have to do some type of marketing that's going to increase your reach for people to even know who you are. Everybody can't be Nike to where we just immediately know who Nike is and what's going on. You have to put yourself in that position to to grow. And it's risky when it's not always going to work. It's not going to work every day. It's not going to work every month. But at the end, you should be looking at that long goal. What's the end game here at the end of the year as opposed to today's success? Yeah. Being in that situation and there's stress involved on the entrepreneur's side of things and they're worried about the business and they're worried about, hey, will we even be here making this kind of profit next year? Do you find that they get either anxious or upset with you personally, right? Mm -hmm. If their ad didn't perform the way they expected it to, do they feel like they have someone to blame? Oh, for sure. Especially small businesses, right? Because they always need an answer as to why something isn't working. I think to a question that you asked earlier, the biggest difference between like larger companies and smaller, larger companies typically know that marketing is a a longer game. Um, Advertising is a longer game. They know it takes time. They know it's not going to work every single day. Whereas I think smaller companies, when they're already penny pitching, if something worked last month and didn't work this month, it it must be because I don't know what I'm doing, right? It's all your fault. It's all my fault. And there are times where I feel like where the ads are almost like supposed to be carrying the business. And that's one thing that I like to set expectations of with any small business before we even start it. You have to have other forms of marketing going. You have to have an actual sustainable and business that you have already verified works um, because ads cannot keep your business afloat. They're supposed to be a marketing arm, not necessarily the entire thing. And I get a lot of clients or I get a lot of people who almost look at me as the ad specialist, but then also a business coach. And I'm not a business coach. I can't tell you why your business isn't running well this month, but you have to just focus on, I am showing what I do and I'm very transparent. Coming from the agency background, I know that agencies tend to cover up when they mess up or cover up some terrible numbers or talk around the bad news. And that's one thing that when I work with my clients, it's like, we'll get very direct. This is what's working. This is what isn't working. This is what I'm doing. And this is what I did, whatever that is. And I definitely get scapegoated a lot, but I think that's just the name of the game. Yeah. That's why I want to talk about the tool that the technology that you're working on called STEMI. Mm-hmm. And I am privy to knowing about STEMI when it was an idea, you guys. So I am always excited about new ideas that really smart people like Stephanie has and the potential that they have to solve really big problems. And we just talked about how much waste and stuff happens in ads. And we're talking hundreds of millions. Like people don't realize Facebook and all those companies are huge because of your ad money going into their slot machine. Like Las Vegas is probably the flyest place over there as far as their electric bills alone I think are are insane but you know why it's because of your money that's going to no slot machine and they can Um, (laughs) I'm honored that you shared Simi with me early on but explain a little bit about how Simi will be able to help anybody that really needs to get their ad game down and as far as definitely understanding how it works yeah so I got the idea for Semi is I was hosting a workshop one summer and I think there were like nine or 10 companies that were um, in my program. It was actually a three month program and I was teaching small businesses 
what they needed to do to get their ads to help their businesses grow. And I realized that a lot of them were genuinely scared of spending more than $5 a day. And so I realized that if I'm going to teach, if people are going to learn, they need to be able to do it in a way that doesn't put them at in as much risk. And so the idea for Simi is this platform that allows or the simulator that allows people to come and actually manage simulated campaigns without risking their real money. So now you can learn how to do it without having to put your money up and not have to actually go into the slot machine and put real money in, but you can do the simulated money. And so you can learn the concepts, you can learn the best practices until you're comfortable to go, but at least I know what I'm doing. I can put a little bit more money into this. And so that's the goal is this kind of teaching and simulated aspect um, with want small businesses to be able to come in learn what to do. And then after going through the simulation, being able to actually launch their campaigns through Simi as well. And then Simi continue to help them um, make decisions and call things out that's going on in their campaigns. So at that point, it's not, if you don't have the budget to hire somebody like me, or you don't have the knowledge on your team as it pertains to ads, the platform will continue to um, help you manage the campaigns. So you're just not out in the deep end trying to figure it out. And so that's where we are with it. And yeah, I'm really excited because I'm to the point to where I am looking for small e-commerce businesses that want to learn how to run ads to come in and test the platform. And so that's where I'm at with everything currently. That's a platform that's definitely going to be needed. And I remember early on, I was like, I don't know how the social media platform is going to like the fact that people won't be as ignorant with their <laughs> ad spend because it it will cut into people just wasting money. But I think that it will be more efficient and people right. who either learn will use it more because some people just use it and give up because it didn't work, quote unquote. Exactly. And then I think it's a win because everyone gets the outcome that they're seeking by using. Uh, there's a mutually beneficial relationship there uh, by using the platforms that they offer to us. So right now it is it's a, a unique situation where some B2B, you mentioned e-commerce brands you, you work with, but a lot of B2B companies as well are trying to figure out how to leverage social media platforms and get their ad game up to par. Uh, I typically mm -hmm. recommend them using their ads to just get into people's feed by sharing content, helpful content, not doing lead generation by trying to, hey, sign up here, buy this, buy right. my software. I just want to know your thoughts on that. That's always been my recommendation, but what are your thoughts? And do you work with any like B2B companies as well? Yeah, I've have, I have experience working with a lot of B2B and I agree. It's really just about showing how you are an expert in that industry as opposed to constantly begging people to buy or to sign up or whatever that is. Because I think when you're talking B2B, there's just a more finessed element to these relationships. And so it's not just getting people to buy a t-shirt or to sign up for a course or something. Mm -hmm. It's usually you want a, a larger, more strategic partnership. And that's really what the ask is. And so really just showcasing original written articles or just thought leadership type things typically works well. And yeah, I agree. Using ads to just 
putting more eyes on that content goes a long way for them. And that to me is not as high of an investment either, because at that point, you're not looking for a strong call to action or return there. You're just trying to get as many people as possible to read your content. Oh, great point. I love the way you describe that. The On the B2B side of things, when they're, or just overall, if someone's just sharing thought leadership content, do you recommend the same kind of budget and time frame and all that for them? Or is it something that should constantly be running anyways? Yeah, I wouldn't, you don't necessarily have to invest as much if all you're doing is sharing your content. That's something that you could probably get away with spending $10, $15 a day just to increase the eyes. But you still want to pay attention to where your engagement is coming from when you share this content, like what gets people a little bit more excited. So always pay attention to the numbers to get a feel for what's working. Therefore, even if you are spending $10, $15 a day, you're not spending on content that just isn't going to work well or that people don't want to read. And that's a big thing. I always love an evergreen or always on content strategy or ad strategy because the shutting off and the starting over can be a little choppy and hurts the learnings. And so if you can just flow, you have an article that you are promoting and then maybe you have a couple day overlap with the new one and you're just constantly having your content out. That's always going to work better in the long run than to run something for three days, shut it off for a week, run something else for a couple of days and shut it off. It just gets a little hard for the platforms to keep up with what's going on and the learnings. That's good because you did mention earlier about larger companies understand that marketing is a long game strategy. Right. So that's in alignment with your first point about that. I want to talk about the creative, right? So I think some people may or may not know what that means, but it's basically for those who are not sure, it's like the copy and the graphics and all the stuff that you see in an ad. Stephanie, as a as social by Steph, do you create the creative part or no? Do you just no. run the ad? Mm -hmm. I do not. My clients come to me with their ads ready to go, meaning they have their videos have already been created, their images are together, their copy, which is literally the, the words that are on the ads. And we talk through best practices, though. Before we get started, I tell them what works well. I give them ideas on what to put together and then they get that to, together for me and then they may share a shared drive or something for me to have access to. Now, some people come and they're very specific about how they want their ads. I want these images together with this copy with this type of audience and we talk through that or some people may come and here's my folder of images here's my folder of videos or whatever that looks like and then I'll just go through and pick out where I want to start and so yeah in general I do not create the the actual creatives I kind of let my clients do that because at that point it's like your brand voice what that looks like for your actual brand look and then I just come in as the ad specialist yeah so I just want, I, I'm so glad you had a chance to elaborate on that because a lot of people think when they hire a social media ad person that they create everything and that's not the case. So then they will say, what do I need you for? I can go and click the boost button and in the back of uh, on yes. Facebook and I can run my own ads. I thought you was going to put the ad together. So for those who don't know how this works, how do you explain that to them that you don't create, you don't make the creative part, you run the ad. How do you describe to them the value you bring to the business? Yeah, I think a lot of times I just step back and I really explain that if this was, if I was working at an agency, somebody that is a graphic designer, somebody that is a videographer or a video editor, somebody that is a copywriter, and then a media buyer, which is what I would tend to be called. Those are four different roles. 
And so to have somebody that is an expert in all four of those is really just not super common. Can somebody do a dibble and dabble in all of them? Absolutely. I've met people that is a, that can be a graphic designer and edit videos and write and all of that. But are you truly an expert in every one of those? Not really. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just break that down to be like, you're asking for four different disciplines in one person or in one company or whatever that is. And most of the times, a lot of like digital ad agencies, they may only specialize in two of those. And it's really sometimes it's just about the education of the ask. And I think a lot of people just don't know mm-hmm. that that's just so much to ask for one person to do. And that's typically where I come from. And it's if you want to try to do all of that on your own, then be my guest. But for me, it's more than just clicking a button and, and putting an ad in there. It's really understanding who your audience is and, and segmenting those audiences correctly. It's optimizing day to day. I'm looking for trends in the data, like what's going on in the last five days and how can I make changes to continue on the right path? And I think that the numbers and the analytics piece is where a lot of people they, that's the hardest piece to learn. Anybody can just launch something, but it's now you got to really crunch these numbers and read the trends and know what that means. Yep. And that's where you should have been an engineer comes into play. (laughs) Because you you definitely have all the skill sets. I wanted to circle back to where you say after five days and I look at it and I understand what's happening with your customers. Let me tell you what I've experience, and you probably have seen this. Uh, I've seen this happen with so many of my clients. They will find one of those big ad agencies and they will, the ad agency will run their ads, right? And have those four different folks in the background and they spend a ton on this agency. Yep. Then they still (laughs) get no result from running an ad after 30 days. I have no, I didn't get any more sales. I I got a bunch of bogus email addresses or (laughs) a lot of abandoned carts or whatever it is. And, and so after 30 days, the agency says, Hey, this is, this is what the outcome was. And in reality, they haven't even looked at the performance of the ad those entire 30 days. You just mentioned after five days or however often, I, I know that you'll do it even more often, but how is it that agencies get get away with setting up an ad, just letting it run for 30 days, like a slot machine, just 30 days, not really paying attention to what the outcome, our outcome is and what's happening so that they know, oh, hey, you know what? This is not working. Let's adjust. Let's shut it off. Let's ask questions. Let's get back with the client. How do they get away with that? And tell me what you do differently. They get away with it because they're an agency, right? And I've been in that position to where agencies rank their clients and they rank. And this is no shade to agencies. My The bulk of my experience comes from them and I will always appreciate my agency experience. However, they rank their clients based off of how much their clients are spending with them and what that contract looks like. If you are a smaller company, even if you make $5 million in revenue, you can afford this agency you're still not going to trump their largest three clients or whatever that is. So if they have Coca-Cola as a client and Maybelline and I don't know, Lexus or something, those are going to be their priority clients. And those are the brands that are being checked on day in and day out. And they have regular meetings with those brand teams and things like that. So as a smaller company stepping into a agents, a larger agency, they're just not looking at your campaigns like that. And so when they give you that month report and there's no lift, 
then they're like, oh, it's seasonality. We see these things around this time of the year, but this is the optimizations that we're making that they'll make that day. And then those optimizations are supposed to last for the next 30 Another days. Another 30 days. Until, until oh next report and those few optimizations that they may have worked for a couple of days, but then now we're in this monthly cycle that's really dangerous for small businesses. And I've gotten a lot of scorned clients that are like, I spent $50,000 in the agency and didn't get anything. And I'm like, I know you did. <laughs> I know because that's what happens. And so you just have to be smarter. And I think that it sounds good, especially if you are a growing startup or you're a growing business. It sounds good to say, I hired an agency to do my X, Y, and Z. But you have to just make sure the agency is right for you because sometimes it's better just to hire a couple of people that know it they're doing and that really value the fact that you're a client for them and that they're making those optimizations and they're keeping you up to date with what's going on. Now, granted, something doesn't need to happen every single day, but once a week, at the least, you should be like playing with something, whether that's increasing or decreasing a budget or maybe like throwing in a new creative or something. Something should happen unless it's just really going well. And then I may let something sit without doing something for or without doing an optimization for a week or so. But for the most part, I'm keeping my eyes to make sure that I didn't just spend $1,000 last week for a small business and then didn't get a single purchase. That's just not a good feeling to have. And agencies don't tend to care. Yep. Yep. And that is why, that's another reason why I always tell my clients about you because, yeah, they and they've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars and some millions with agencies. And that is exactly what's happened to them. And Although, yeah, your little your fifty thousand is a little fifty thousand to them, but to these small business owners, that's a lot. Everything, yeah, that's everything. And to just be disregarded as well, it wasn't wasn't as much as we normally work with. But so I appreciate, I really appreciate how you do business and pay attention to how you're spending other people's money. When you mentioned the fifty thousand, I'm just arbitrarily, you guys, using that number, a lot of people think the money that they give to the marketing company, that includes everything. And and I have to let people know, no, that doesn't include your ad spend. Mm -hmm. You still have to pay the money to put into the Facebook slot machine or into the Pinterest slot machine. So that's on top of paying the marketing company. I, I need everyone to be clear of that. You mentioned how you don't do the creative and all that stuff, that things have you each company have their own brand, voice, messaging, and all of that, which is it's a sense of expertise, right? One of the other things, too, is we were talking about the agencies. Yeah, they cost a lot because they have all those people. But then a lot of the ones that I've my clients have engaged and even I have engaged with, they require an ad spend minimum of oh, yeah. five thousand a month or something like that. Like you gotta spend at least five thousand a month on ads. And you don't have that kind of requirement in your business, do you? No, not on that level, because you're right. A lot of the agencies that I actually work for, it would be 50K minimum per month. And that, again, that's just spend um, a few million per year. It really depended on the the agency. But I don't have a minimum spend. It's just like you have to know that I have my retainer and then you have to have budget to pay. So if your spend is $750 a month, then it's okay. We'll see what we can do with that in the smartest way. And I'll be honest with you if I think it's worth it or do I think you just need to save it until you can spend more. 
But no, there's not like a high minimum that you must meet. It's really about let's level set and see what makes sense for your business, because maybe ads just is it at this particular moment. I love that you say that. I say that phrase, I don't know how many times a week, um, because people are looking just when it gets so abused and misused out here, (laughs) is they're looking for answers. And I was like, I can't tell you specifically what your it's specific to the business is what makes sense for your business. What I did for another client may not make any sense for you. And so that's how you can really pick out high quality consultants like Stephanie and myself is they're not going to give you blanket answers. It depends on your business. Exactly. And it's not fair. And I think that something else about being in the agency world is that they're always giving out estimates. Oh, let's throw these estimates together. Mm-hmm. I don't, I do not provide estimates and <laughs> there's no way to predict somebody's performance just because you put in something like not as an individual person. Now, that is going to be a feature in Simi, shameless plug, but in a sense, just because I was able to achieve 500% return with a client that's very similar to your business doesn't mean that we'll get that. And it could be as simple as they like that brand name better than your brand name. There's so many different factors that go into how people resonate with companies. And yeah, I, I stay away from estimating performance mm-hmm. and really try to do these cookie cutter strategies with everybody. Yep. Yep. That's right. Same here. And it, it people sometimes are like, oh man, they don't, they want the cheapest thing ever, but you don't get custom anything for no. cheap. That's just not how it works. But you get the results that you wouldn't be able to get with cookie cutter things. Absolutely. Stephanie, I just respect all everything that you do and everyone that you have helped ethically, honestly, and just with a lot of common sense and just knowledge and strategy. I definitely, I respect the work that you do and I appreciate you being on and share just a little bit. So Seth, for folks who may be interested in learning more, working with you in some capacity, what's the best way for them to reach out? Yeah. In general, my website is just socialbysteph.com. With a PH, right? Not S-T-P-H. And then, and that's pretty much my handle across the board. So on Instagram is social by Steph. My, my email is hey there at social by Steph. And so you can really reach me in any way, any of those, and it'll all go to my email or you can DM me, follow me on Instagram. In terms of semi, again, I am at the point where I'm looking for e-commerce specific businesses that are wanting to learn how to run ads for their business, ask some testers to go through Simi and so that I can really prepare it to launch into market. And so if you're interested in being a tester, a beta tester, please, you can email me at, again, hey there at Social by Steph, or you can DM me on Instagram. Either way, I'll, I'm pretty responsive on both of those. And I'll have links to everything in the show notes, you guys. And Stephanie, I want to thank you for joining us today. Take care. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Unpolished MBA podcast. To hear more episodes or to request to become a guest, please visit unpolishedmba.com.